So Joshua chapter 7, starting in verse number 1, reading down through verse number uh, 13. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. And we'll, we'll get to that here in a minute. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up, view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. Ai is the name of the city. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. So the, the, the Israelites are losing against the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them, of the Israelites, about 36 men. 36 men they, they killed. For they chased them from before the gate, even unto Sherebim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua rent his clothes, and that was a sign of mourning back in those days. Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord unto the eventide all day. He and the elders of Israel put dust upon their heads, another sign of mourning. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites? That's who the, AI, the, the, the people of Ai were. They were Amorites. To destroy us. Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side, Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? What are people going to say? What am I going to say if people ask me why the Israelites are turning their back against their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us around and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? So God's essentially saying, get up, stop moaning. Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen, and dissembled also. And they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither I will be with uh, you any more, except ye destroy the accursed from among you. Up, up, he says, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until ye take away the accursed thing from among you. Okay. Hopefully you guys are still awake and with me. You guys still awake with me? You guys, you guys, okay, good. This is a cool story. It sounds confusing, but it's actually a really, really interesting story. So we left off Joshua last week. You guys remember where we left off with Joshua? Joshua, uh, he's coming right up to the Jordan River, and uh, he's going he's to help Moses bring all the people of Israel across the Jordan to claim the promised land. The promised land was the land that God had promised to the people for the past 400 years. Except one thing happened. They hit a snag. Moses died. And so God comes to Joshua and says, uh, Moses died. You're now the number one guy. You're now the leader of, of, of the people, of the Hebrew people. And what you're going to do, Joshua, is you're going to lead the people into Jordan. You're going to be their leader, and uh, you're going you're to help them claim the promised land. Moses is gone. Moses is dead. He's done. You're the guy now. And that's, what we, that's where we left 
Joshua last week. He's now the guy in charge. Okay, what's happened between chapter 1 and chapter 7, what we just read, was, was a little bit of stuff. So what happens is after Joshua, they cross Jordan. The first city they come to is the city of Jericho. You guys remember Jericho? Jericho was this walled city. People believed in those ancient times that this city was impregnable because of the walls. They said you could drive two chariots on the top of this wall. That's how wide this wall was. People thought it was impenetrable. They thought that you could not penetrate. They, they, they just There was no way. They did it in one day. They conquered the city in one day because God was fighting for them. Now, before they went into Jericho, God had told them one thing, one, one, one. He said, this is, this is what I want you to do. Uh, this is what I want you to do when you, when, you, when you destroy Jericho. All the spoils of the land, all the spoils, everything you get, all the gold, silver, all the, all the, the spices, everything that's worth something, all the spoils in the land, you can't take for yourself. This is the first city you're going into in the promised land. I want all of it. So God's saying, in, in, that's not an unreasonable thing for God to say. He's the one who is literally fighting for them, and he would continue to fight for them uh, throughout the promised land. It's not a ridiculous thing for God to ask to say. This first city, I want the spoils from this first city. It's the tithe. I want to take all the spoils from this first city. Everyone said, okay, fine. That sounds reasonable. Why wouldn't that be reasonable? Except for one guy. This guy's name was Achan. Achan thought to himself, nobody's watching I don't know if he was in Jericho when it was plundered and everything was given to God. He went into a particular house or a particular region of the town nobody else was in. He took some of the spoils of the land and kept them from him for himself. God said, don't do this. That's what God calls the accursed thing. You guys remember we just read that like three or four times? The accursed thing, that's the accursed thing, is Achan stealing spoils from the land of Jericho. Okay, Joshua didn't know this. Nobody knew this. They were all unaware of this except for Achan and his family. They were aware of this. They were all like co-conspirators. And so Joshua, not knowing anything's gone wrong, he says, okay, what's the next city? We've taken out Jericho. What's the next city? The next city on their docket was the city of Ai. Ai. They, they, were, they, they were real genius when they came up with names back then. Ai, they just came up with Ai. And so they went to the land of the city of Ai. And they said, we don't need all the people. This is a small city, not really that strong. Let's, let's, let's take the city over. God's with us. And so they go to take over Ai. They go to conquer the land of Ai, and they lose. And not only do they lose, they have to retreat. And they lose, they suffer 36 casualties. This is huge. This is huge. Because God had told them, God had promised them, if you follow me, I will give you the promised land. I will give you the promised land. And they lose 36 people. Joshua, he comes back home. They're in a full retreat. They come back to where they were staying, and he's, he's, he's distraught. He's, he's in mourning for the 36 people. He says to God, how, do, how is this happening? How is everything that's going? You promised God that you were going to bring us into the promised land. For 400 years, you promised us the promised land, and now you're going back on your word. What's the deal? He rents his clothes. He tears his clothes. He puts dust on his head, and he's just in mourning from the time he got home all the way into the evening. He's saying this to God. God, how could you allow this to happen? God says, this isn't my fault. It's your fault. It's all you guys' fault. This isn't my fault. I said, I would be with you as long as you gave me the spoils from this first land. You guys haven't. There's somebody in your midst that's taken the spoils. There's somebody in your midst that's taken the accursed thing, as God had told us. And so Joshua says, oh, I can't, this is, this is horrible. This, is, this, is, this, is, this was obviously news to Joshua. He didn't know that this was going on. He didn't know about this. So at this point, Joshua's probably wondering to himself, how do we fix this problem, right? He wants to know what needs to happen so the nation can continue to claim the promised land, right? If you're the leader of the land, you're thinking to yourself, what do we need to do, God, in order to, <clears throat> in order to keep moving forward, in order to conquer Ai and to claim the promised land? What needs to happen? What do I need to do? And this is a question for us 
this year, isn't it? This is the question we are, we're facing. We have to answer. How do we keep the failures from last year from following us into this year? That's what Joshua's going through. He had this failure in Jericho, happened way back here in Jericho. It's following them all the way back where they are in Ai. And because they're dealing with this problem from Jericho in Ai, their, their, their past is coming and meeting them at their future. They can't move forward. They can't claim the promised land. They can't claim the promises that God had for them because they hadn't taken care of the things back here. They, ca- they hadn't taken care of the setbacks back there. Because, so, so, so how do we keep, the question is, how do we keep the past from following us into the future? The problems we dealt with last year in our own life, whether that was public or private problems we dealt with, how do we keep those problems from meeting us here this year as we go forward into this new year? Because the truth is, a new year doesn't equal a new you. That's news to some of us, right? A new year does not equal a new you. Maybe you heard before, new year, new you. That's a lie. I'm sorry to say it, not to be cynical, but that's a lie. New year does not equal new you. When the clock struck 12 and we came into the year 2020, something magical did not happen. It's not like Cinderella where the fairy godmother came to us and, oh, new year, boom, you now are this beautiful Cinderella. It's more like, uh, it's more like Groundhog Day. It's more like Groundhog Day where it's just the same day over and over again. The problems you had back here, guess what? They're the same problems you're going to have over here. So the question is, we're going into this new year and we're in the sermon series, The Best is Yet to Come. How do we make sure the best is yet to come? How do we make sure the problems of our past don't follow us into the future? And this is, the, this is, what, this is what Joshua had to struggle with. The struggles and difficulties from last year have a tendency to follow us into this new year. So how do we keep from that happening? Look at this verse number 13. God shows us. He shows Joshua. Up, he says. Up, 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 up. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing. There's the stolen spoils. In the midst of thee, O Israel, thou canst not stand before thine enemies until, until you take away the accursed thing from among you. So God gives Joshua the solution to the problem they were facing. He says, sanctify yourselves. God told Joshua to tell the people to sanctify themselves. He was telling them to search their own life, search themselves. He was telling them to search themselves and see what was in their own life that was holding them back from victory. So God's telling Joshua, you want to fix this problem? You want to make sure that your past doesn't follow you into the future? Search your own life. Be introspective. Take some time away to set apart the things in your life that are holding you back so that you are no longer dealing with those things. He's saying, sanctify yourselves. Set those things apart that are holding you back so that you can move forward in your life. And God is telling us this morning, Make it something very simple, he's telling us. The failures of the past don't have to follow you into the future. Search for the things that were holding you back last year. Search for the things in your life that were keeping you from a healthy marriage. Search for the things in your life that were holding you back from the direction that you wanted to go. Search for the setback. Search for the thing that was setting you back last year. Search for the setback. If you need something to write down this morning, search for the setback. Search and identify the inward setbacks. So I don't know how many of you guys play golf or have played golf or have played Mario Golf or golf on the Nintendo or whatever, but I have with me this morning, I have a couple clubs with me this morning. My brother, my older brother, was pretty good at golf back in the day. 
And uh, I, used to, I used to help him out. We used to read magazines. We used to, um, we used to read up on, on how to swing correctly. He loved golf. He was, just, he was, he was a golfer. And so we would go out, and we, we'd golf all the time. We'd be on a, on, a, uh, on a course doing 9 or doing 18 or whatever. And uh, when you're out there, you, you want to make sure that you understand the course, right? If it's a par 5, you know it's going to be a long course. If it's a par 4, it's going to be short. Par 3, it's just you get your 9-iron, your 7-iron, you get par 3, and you just get it right on the green, hopefully. But you, So I say all that to say you have to understand what, what you're going up against. If it's a par 5, you have to make sure it's not dog-legged. You want to hit it in the rough. You want to hit it in the water. You want, to, you want to make sure that the slope of the green, you understand the slope of the green so you can hit it correctly. But more importantly than understanding where you're hitting, you have to understand how you're hitting. You have to be able to analyze your own swing. That's why you get coaches if you're playing golf. You get coaches, or I think nowadays you can even have a computer analyze your swing to see where your swing is off. And so me and my brothers, we would, we would try to analyze, at least I would try to analyze my older brother's swing. I have the magazine out there showing you step by step what the swing is supposed to look like. And my brother, he would, he would have his little, he'd go up and he'd hit it. And he'd go off that way, you know, and so obviously that's not doing right, so I have to analyze his swing, make sure his swing's uh, doing all right, because if his swing's not correct, it doesn't matter what kind of course is in front of him, if his swing's not correct, he's not going to do well in that course. You know what God is saying? You've got you to you gotta search out the setbacks in your life. You just, just, just like we had to search out the setbacks in the swing, God wants us to search the setbacks in our own life. You see... You may have, there may be things that God wants to give you this year that are great. There may be some, 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 some progress that, want, that God wants to give you in your life this year. There may be some things that God wants to do that are great in your life this year. But if we haven't searched our own life for the setbacks, if we haven't searched our own life for the things that are holding us back, how can we claim the promised land that God wants to give us? How can we claim what God wants to do in our marriage? How can we claim what God wants to do in our family? How can we claim what God wants to do in our own life if there's things holding us back, if we haven't searched for the setbacks in our own life? So God is telling Joshua, and he's telling us this morning, search your life. Take some time this week. Take some time this morning to search your own life for the things that are holding you back. Search for the setback. God is giving us good news this morning because there are a lot of things in life that we can't control. You know, there's a lot of problems that are around us that we can't control. We have no control over some of the problems in our life. A lot of the people in our life, we have no control over the people in our life. A lot of the politics and the things of this world, we have no control over. God's giving us good news. He's saying what you do have control over are the setbacks in your own life. What you do have control over are your own thoughts, your own emotions, the things in your life that you can, uh, you can sanctify, you can set apart so that you can move forward in your life. So when God tells us to sanctify ourselves, he is saying that the direction of your life is in your control. The direction of your emotions, your actions, your behavior. You have the power to sanctify those things, to make them better in the future than they were in the past. So when God says sanctify yourselves, he's giving us great news. He's saying you have the ability to improve your life. You have the ability to cut out of your life those things that are holding you back so that you can move forward. Search for the setback. What set you back last year that if it's not taken care of, we'll do the same this year? One pastor said it this way. He asked it this way. What are you holding on to that's holding you back? What are you holding on to? What are you dragging into this new year that's slowing you down? What are you holding on to that's holding you back? 
What were you holding on to last year that slowed you down? What, what, what did you hold on to last year that was crushing your relationships? What were you holding on to last year that was crushing your finances? What were you dragging around? What were you holding on to last year that was hurting your relationship with your spouse? What's, what, what are you holding on to that's holding you back? What is it that you held on to last year that you know is holding you back? So I, I learned something new this past week. I learned that uh, if you want to trap a monkey, there's actually a quite easy way to do it. You guys didn't expect that to come in my mouth, did you? So if you want to trap a monkey, uh, there, there's, really a, there's a simple way to do it. And I have a picture of it just to illustrate it. What you do is, is you, this is what I saw and heard and I read. What you do is you, 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 get, uh, you get a string and you attach a coconut to the string. You bore a hole in the coconut, drain it, and then you put some, you put some fruit and you put some nuts in the coconut. And what a certain specific type of monkey will do, a species of monkey, not all of them, but a certain species of monkey, they'll go up to this, this coconut because they smell the food inside. They smell the fruit, the, all the stuff that's inside. They go up to it, and the hole is just big enough so they can slip their, their hand, their paw into it, and grab the fruit. There's one problem, though. When they go to grab the fruit and take it out of the coconut, what they've done is they've enlarged their fist so they can't get their hand out of the coconut. And this monkey, he just never learns you can look this up and you think I'm joking. You, he never learns that all he has to do to escape is to re- open his hand, let go of the fruit. But he doesn't want to let go of the fruit. He does not. And so what happens is he's just, he's trying to tug because he, he wants this fruit so bad. He's just holding on to it for dear life. And the people, and I know there's probably a trapper right here. He's probably thinking, ah, oh, here we go. And they trap the monkey. They take him off to a zoo or they keep him as a pet or whatever. And they have their monkey. You know what God's telling us this morning? There's a lot of things we're holding on to that are trapping us, and all we have to do is let go. You know what? God wants to give you something this year. I'm not saying he wants to give you money. He wants to make you rich. He wants you to be prosperous. I'm saying God wants you to have peace in your marriage. I'm saying God wants you to have peace in your finances. I'm saying that God wants to do something in your life and in your family and in your church this year. All we have to do is let go of the things that are holding us back. What are you holding on to that's holding you back? What habit are you holding on to that's holding you back? What behavior are you holding on to that's holding you back? What reaction do you constantly have to have that's holding you back? What emotion are you holding on to that's holding you back? Because often what you are holding on to has a hold on you. So, Search for the setbacks in your life. Then sanctify those setbacks. Identify what's holding you back. What held you back last year? Identify that thing and then let go of it. Let go of the setback. Search for the setback and then separate yourself from the setback. Sanctify yourself from the setback. And here's a word of encouragement. You don't have to do this alone. God wants to be with you every step of the way when you are searching for the, uh, for the setback. You don't have to do this alone. God wants to help you, and you see this happen. You see this happen in verse number 14. Look at verse number 14. In the morning, therefore, ye shall be brought according to your tribes. All the people of Israel shall be brought according to the tribes. And it shall be, watch this, that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof, and the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households, and the household which the Lord shall take shall come man by man. So after God tells Joshua to tell all the people to sanctify themselves, set themselves apart from what's holding them back, God also reassures Joshua that he isn't alone. God tells Joshua he would reveal to the nation, reveal to him, 
the person who stole the spoils of, Jer- of Jericho, who revealed to him what was holding them back and caused this whole thing to begin with. Something Joshua could have never known. Joshua could have never found out, never known who stole the spoils of the land of Jericho. And God says, I'm going to show you. You see, he said to Joshua, I want you to search for the setbacks in your life, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to reveal to you what is holding you back and allow you to remove that from your life. I love this. God doesn't tell Joshua that it was up to him to fix everything. Joshua wasn't alone. It wasn't up to him. God would show them the setback. God was going to be right there helping them every step of the way, shining a light on the cause of the setback. And that is what God wants to do for us this morning. The good news this morning is that if you want to have the best year you've ever had, God is ready. He He's willing and he's able to reveal to us how to have that year. If you want to have a better marriage, God is ready, willing, and able to show you how to do that, to show us the setbacks in our life. I don't know about you, but back in the day, and I had just gotten a laptop for college, and I didn't know... I didn't know anything about laptops and how to work laptops. And we got a laptop for college. And I knew you had to get on Wi-Fi. You connect on Wi-Fi. One thing I didn't know about Wi-Fi back then was, and I had a Windows-based computer, you can get viruses really quick. Real quick. Especially if you're streaming movies and downloading movies and downloading torrents, which I'm not saying I did. I'm just saying if you did that, you can get viruses on your computer real quick. And I didn't have... I didn't have a virus, I didn't have virus protection. I didn't have anything to scan my computer. And so I had all these viruses on my my computer. You know how it is, your computer, you just turn it on and you know there's something wrong with it because the fan starts turning on right when you turn your computer on. It's like you haven't even done anything. The virus, or the the fan turns on, your things, it heats up. You can feel the heat off it. You can, you know, you can make toast on your laptop because it gets so hot. This is the problem with my laptop. And so I'm thinking to myself, what's going on? Why is it so hot? Why is the fan on? I have, there's something wrong with this computer. And I had a friend at college who said, uh, what you need to do is you need to get something to scan your computer to identify all of the viruses and all of the bad stuff. I don't know what they're called. All the things that are hurting your computer and all the diseases and the cancers and all that kind of stuff on your computer. And you need, you need something to, to scan it and to clean it and to remove it. They said, okay, fine. So I got a free one off the internet. And lo and behold, I get this virus scanner on there. And you know how it says, no harmful items found. And, and, but mine was like, it had a whole list of all these things. And at the end, you know, it's like, it basically says, you might as well just get a new computer, right? But, but, but I had all these harmful viruses. And, but you know what helped me out? Was I got the virus scanner. It scanned, it searched all the things that I could never search on my computer. And it looked at all the things that I could never look at on my computer. It scanned through all the, all the, the, the backlogs and all the, they call them cookies, all the cookies and all the stuff on my computer. And it identified all the things, that, all the viruses and all the things that were wrong with my computer. I was able to clean all of those things off of it because I had something on my computer that revealed all of it to me. God is wanting to do that for us. God is saying, Let me see your life. Let me in. Let me scan your life. 
Let me do a diagnostic test on your life and see if there's anything in it that needs to be cleaned up. See if there's any viruses or anything in it that needs to be moved and wiped away and cleaned out. Let me do this for you. So God is saying here to Joshua, I am not going to leave you alone. I will help you every step of the way. If you want to clean up some things, if you want to sanctify yourself, if you want to allow yourself to remove from all these things that are hurting you, I want to be a part. I want to help you. God wants to scan our life. God wants to remove the dysfunction. He wants to, he wants to help you every step of the way. And why does he do this? Because he, he wants you to be everything he's designed you to be. Because God has a future for you this year. God has something for you this year. He has something that he wants to give you. He has something better for you than, than last year. And he wants to help you every step of the way so that you can be the person you need to be to receive that, to walk into that, to claim that promised land. He wants you to be the parent he's designed you to be. He, was, he wants your marriage to flourish. He wants you to fulfill everything that he's called you to fulfill. He wants to lead you into the promised land. Let God show you the setbacks. You see this in Psalm chapter 139. David says this. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. God wants to search my heart. He wants to search your heart and show me the setbacks in my life that not even I can see. He wants to penetrate the facade and in, in, in the act and the untruths that we tell ourselves about ourselves. You know, this uh, <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, uh, I was just sitting down. I think it was a Sunday afternoon, and I'm always critiquing on a Sunday afternoon how I spoke that morning. So when I get home this afternoon, I'll go over everything I said, and I'll probably come to the conclusion that it was boring because I saw one of you sleeping and say, oh, man, this person was sleeping, things went bad. And, and she, she, one day she, uh, she said to me, uh, <clears throat> as I was going through my little thing on Sunday afternoon, how I want to improve, and you know, I, I wish it was better, and going through the whole thing about the Sunday sermon. And she says to me, she says, uh, uh, Dominic, in, these, are, these are the famous words, don't take this in the wrong way. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. Here we go. Here it is. Here it comes. You know, this is going to be a doozy. This is going to be a beauty. And she, she gives me a humdinger. She says, she said, don't take this in the wrong way, but um, you know what you should do? <laughs> She's going to be all nice about it too, you know, right? She know what you should do. You should take a class on how to tell stories. <laughs> Wait. So you're implying that I don't know how to tell stories. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But you should just take a class this year. I'm sure you can get a college class. A college class so you can improve how to tell stories. So you can, you can improve how to tell stories. You can be a better speaker. You know, Amanda was telling me that. And at the moment, I was all like, oh, how dare you? You're supposed to only say nice things to me. You're the wife. You're supposed to say, Donald, that was the best message I ever heard. Billy Graham couldn't have given a better message himself. That was just amazing. But no, she says, you know what she was trying to do? She wasn't trying to demean me. She wasn't trying to break me down. She was trying to help me. She was trying to say, you know what? Here's how you can improve. You know what? You've been speaking like this, but what if you could speak like this? You know what God is saying when he says, sanctify yourselves? He's saying, this is where you are. Here's where I want you to be. Here's where you were last year. This is where your marriage could be this year. 
So when God says sanctify yourselves, he's not saying, you know what, I just need you to, I just need you to leave, I just need to change everything, I just want to take from you, I'm just this mean, bad God who wants to make you miserable. God is saying the exact opposite. He is saying, here is where you are. I want you to claim the promised land that I have for you. I want to give you the promised land in your marriage. I want to give you the promised land in your family. I have so much more for your life that I want to give you. Sanctify yourself from the things that are holding you back from that. God is saying, search for the setbacks in your life and allow him to show it to you. Ask God sometime this week, God, show me what is holding me back. Show me the setbacks. Search my heart, oh God. See if there's any wicked way in me. God wants to search our hearts and see if there's any wickedness in it. Why? Because he's a good God who wants to give us the promised land. When you're reading his word, when you're listening to a message, when you're spending time in prayer or worship, and God shows you something in your life that's, that's, that's setting you back. You see, God shows you something, you're, oh man, there's a problem. You know, we shouldn't get mad at God in those moments. We should say, thank you, God, for showing me something that I can remove so that I can improve. Because whenever God says, I want you to remove something, it's because he wants to improve something. God wants to show us the truth about ourselves so that we can grow, so that we can make progress, so that we can live knowing the best is yet to come. Now, look at what happens. Look what happens next, because this is where the rubber meets the road. Look what happens next. Verses number 16 through 18. Look at this. This is what happens next in the story. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the family of Judah, and he took the family of the Zerites, and he brought uh, the family of the Zerites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. He brought him uh, his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, was taken. So true to his word, God, God, the next day God reveals to them the, the culprit, the guy who's guilty, the guilty party. He shows him, uh, he shows, reveals to the nation of Israel uh, Achan. Achan was the guy who stole from, uh, from Jericho and caused the defeat in Ai. God started with the tribe, whittled his way down. And this is Achan's confession, verse number 20 and 21. This is what Achan says when he's confronted with what, he's, uh, with what he did. It gives us incredible insight into the human condition. Watch this. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. He says, and this is how I did it. Essentially is what he's saying. This is how I did it. When I saw among the spoils a goodly, it means a nice, Babylonish, exotic garment, and 200 shekels of silver. It's a lot of silver. And a wedge of gold. <laughs> That's a lot of gold. And 50 shekel, of 50 shekels weight. Then I coveted them and took them. And behold, watch this. They are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it buried in the ground. This is Achan's confession. He saw some nice stuff in Jericho, stuff he knew was forbidden, and he took it. The next part is the important part. After Achan steals the forbidden spoils, he takes them back to his house and hides them. What was holding the nation back all this time had been hidden and buried in the ground. This is an insight. This is, this is so important for us today. What you keep secret is what keeps you set back. The best way to isolate that thing that's holding you back is to ask yourself, what do I hide from others and hope they don't find out. Whatever the answer to that question is, is what's holding you back from a better year. If you're looking for your setback, look for what you keep secret. 
What is the habit you keep from everybody else? What's the activity you keep hidden? What are you keeping buried underneath your smile and your to-do list and your distractions? What are you trying to keep buried from yourself? That thing is what's holding you back from the year that God wants to give you. I learned this many years ago, and I'm still learning this, but I learned this in one particular way years ago when I knew God had called us and called me and Amanda to plant a church somewhere in Southern California or perhaps the Pacific Northwest. But I hadn't, we hadn't, I hadn't been thinking about it seriously for a while because we were doing some, something, something else, and uh, there's some things that, that were going on in my own life. And I heard a message one day because I was, I was so afraid of what God wanted us to do to come to a particular city, this city, evidently, and to plant a church. I was so afraid of doing something like that because we were so comfortable and we were so sure of where we were. We were doing well where we were. And so I was very, very, it was, we were afraid, something I was dealing with personally. And then I sat down in a message, a particular message, and I heard this speaker speak. And I was keeping this fear buried from anybody. And he spoke on fear. The very thing that I was going through, he spoke on fear. Something I had kept buried from, some, from everybody else. Something I was dealing with in my own life. And he says, God is bigger than your fear. And he was just talking about fear. Talking about how you need to give God your fears. And God's bigger than your fears. And whatever you are afraid of, God is bigger than that thing. And God wants to conquer that thing. And that evening, I said to God, because he had convicted me. He had been doing work in my life. I said, okay, I'm not going to allow fear to keep me from doing what you have called us to do. I'm not going to allow this fear that I've kept buried, I haven't told anybody else about. I'm not going to allow this fear, this insecurity to keep me from the direction you have for my life. And the moment we were, I was able to say, okay, God, I'm going to give this to you, we were able to come and we were able to, we were able to move forward in that process that God had called us into. That was the moment that, the, that, that I, I, I let go of that hidden thing. I had unearthed, I had unearthed, I had unburied, I had shoveled up that thing that I had buried inside of me, that fear that I was keeping hidden in my own life. The moment I, I unburied it, I unearthed that fear and I gave it to God. That was the moment that God was able to say to me, okay, now you can move forward in your life. Now you can give, now I can give you what I want to give you. Now I can give you progress. Now you can move forward in your life. Now that you've unearthed that hidden thing, now that you've given me that thing that you've kept hidden from everybody else, buried from everybody else, now that you've given it to me, now you can move forward. Now you can, now you can give, uh, now you can walk into the promised land that I have for you. The moment you unearth that thing that you're hiding, the moment you unbury that thing, whatever it is, a reaction, an emotion, a behavior, an action, whatever it is, the moment you unbury that and say, okay, God, I'm not going to hide this anymore. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to remove it. I'm going to sanctify myself from it. That's the moment God can say, now you can walk into the land I've given you. That's the promised land. That's what God wants to do. Whatever we, so identify that thing that you keep secret. Identify that thing that you keep hidden. That's what God is telling us this morning to give him. You don't need to bury the problems. You don't need to bury the hurts and the pains. You don't need to bury the habit or addiction. Hand it over to him. Let him mend your heart. Let him make you whole. Let him sanctify you. Give him the anger you're trying to hide. Give him the bitterness you're trying to cope with by yourself. Don't hide what God wants to heal. That's what God wants to do. He wants to heal everything we keep hidden. What is taken out of hiding finds healing. 
You see this in Hebrews chapter 4. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know what God wants to give you the moment you unearth that thing that you've been hiding? You know what God wants to give you? He wants to give you healing. He wants to give you grace. He wants to mend your heart. He wants to mend the relationship. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. He doesn't want to break you down. By revealing the hidden spoils, God was trying to give healing to the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. God God wanted to give grace to Joshua. He wanted to give healing to the people. And that is what he wants to give us today. Now look at this. This is the best part of the story. This is where the story ends. Joshua, at least this portion. Joshua chapter 8, verse number 1. Look at this. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, and neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee, and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai, and his people, and his city. After they removed the sin that Achan had committed... God says, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai, and this people, and his city, and his land. And thou shalt do to Ai and her king, as thou didst unto Jericho and her king. Only the spoil thereof, watch this, how he changes it. Only the spoil thereof, that was forbidden, the spoil thereof, and the cattle thereof, shall you take for a prey unto yourselves. Lay thee in ambush for the city behind it. The best part of the story happens right here. The best part of the story. Don't get me wrong. God deals with Achan, deals with the family. But as a nation, this is the best part of the story. Because once the setback was dealt with, once it was exposed, they were able to find healing. God tells them to go back to Ai. Fight against Ai one more time. Only this time you will conquer the city. He says you will conquer the city. And here's the best part. God tells them that this time you can freely keep all the spoils of the land. The very thing that was stolen from God, God freely gives them now. The very thing that was stolen from God, God freely gives them. Why is this important? Because everything you are hiding and everything you are holding on to, don't miss this, God wants to freely give you. Everything we're hiding, everything we're saying, I have to hold on to this, everything that we're dragging into the new year, God's saying, I want to freely give you something better than all of those things you're dragging around with you. I want to give you something so much better than all the things you're keeping hidden. I want to, I have a better plan for you. God wants to turn your setback into a setup. He wants to turn this, the setback, the things that was setting you back, he's setting you up for something better. You can let go of the setbacks of last year. You can let go of the destructive habits and behaviors and emotions from last year because God wants to freely give you something better this year. This is the best news we can hear. You can let go of the setbacks of last year because he's setting you up for something better. That's why God tells us to live a sanctified, set-apart life because everything you are separating from is nothing compared to what God wants you to separate to he has something so much better for you. God's not trying to take from you. He's trying to give to you. So God debunks a myth that many people think about him. The myth that God just wants to take from us. That God's, just, God's on the take. God's not trying to hustle us. He's not, not trying to, he's not trying to hustle you. God's not on the take. He wants to give. He's not, trying to, he's, not, he's not trying to hustle us. He's the one who hustled for us. You know, the, the, best, the best way you can, you can think about this, God's not, God's not trying to take from you. The cross proves that. The cross is saying, the cross is Jesus saying, I'm giving everything to you. I'm not trying to take from you. I'm trying to give everything that I possibly can to you. I want to give everything that I possibly can for your life. I'm going to save you. I want to give you a different eternal destination. Everything God could possibly do to give to us, he has done. And the cross is proof of that. God is not trying to take. He's trying to give. 
He's the one who gave up everything. Let me ask you this. The thing that you are holding on to, what has that ever given you? The thing you are holding on to and dragging around, what has that thing ever sacrificed for you? God has sacrificed everything. And he's saying, I have something so much better for you. Let go of it so I can set you up for something better.